0: Let's drop the green flag on this episode of the talent tank podcast with your host, Wyatt Pemberton, bringing you the best, fastest, most knowledgeable personalities in ultra four and off-road racing.
1: All right, all right, all right, here we go. Well, welcome back, everybody. Sorry for the little delay. You know, leading up into Thanksgiving, there was uh, some scheduling snafus. There was a little bit of a Wi-Fi issue on one end, then Wi-Fi issue on the other end. And then, and then Baja happened, and that just kind of threw a, a whole bunch of uh, monkey wrenches uh, into the system. But here we are, as you guys dialed in, turned it on, cranked it up, broke off the knob. Looking back at me right now is the very svelte-looking Dave Schneider of Trent Fab, also known as DSI. DSI, how you doing, man? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? You know, living the dream. I have not had COVID yet, but I heard you have. Yeah. Yeah, that actually
0: happened. And you lived. Amazingly, you know, like, you know, what is it? About 100% of
1: everybody that gets it? I was 99 and a
0: half or something.
1: It's higher than that. Yeah, it's it, <laughs> it's 110%. <That's> I, <laughs> I gave it my all, 110%. No, guys. Right? Yeah, man. Uh, so Dave, you know, I think you go back with everybody in the industry easily to the beginning of rock sports. You were easily the beginning in, in crawling and then racing and then all that with ultra four. But today you're still racing a little bit forty eight seventy one. uh, But you've raced in all the classes. Basically if it's a car number and then you add 71 to the end, it has had Dave Schneider's uh, it's been on a Dave Schneider car at one point or another, right? Shortest stock class. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't risked 4,500 or, UTV no, I've either. raced 45. I haven't raced 46. Is that what it is? 45. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You, I know you've been in 4471. Actually, I think you were like the first person ever in Best in the Desert to register your number in 2009. I think it was your your car was the first car ever registered. Was the number 4471
0: in 2009? Yep. Um, actually, what's funny is since Jeff was driver record of that whole program, he actually registered the number first and then I had to go through with best in the desert to get my own number back from them or from Jeff to race the following season.
1: And then somewhere in there, was it in 2010, 2011, you actually ran the 4401 4,400 class champ plate. I did. And that was before there was a hammers class. It was, we could either run basically sportsman, like barely in front of sportsman, or you could race class one.
0: Yeah, starting Vita R09 is when they put the 4,400 King of the Hammers class in Best in the Desert. So starting in 2010, it was actually, there was a true 4,400 class. And it's continued on every year for anybody that's wanted to run it since then. But seems like after about
1: 2012, 2013, um, I don't think anybody's
0: actually ran every
1: race for a season since. But a lot of people have stepped in and taken a race here or there, certainly like Vegas Arena. There were some guys that made an effort this year. Oh, always. That's a fun race. Parker. I would always see see guys at Parker or uh the Mint. There's always some forty four hundred guys that'll show up at Mint and run uh running the class. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for sitting down. You hail out of Washington State. Grew up I there, did, sadly. Sadly. <laughs> sadly. <laughs> and then uh and then you live outside of Reno today, right? So, you know, you work in Sparks, but you live in uh Spanish, Spanish Springs. Springs. Yeah. That's like was that? That's a little suburb, nor- nor- northern suburb. Ritzy. It's just, ter- it's just churching up
0: sparks is all it is.
1: <laughs> Church up sparks. I remember uh, hanging out with you and, uh, and we'll go back and bridge on this, but I don't know much about Nevada outside of Las Vegas and then did Vegas to Reno with you. And I remember driving through Mount house and seeing the bunny ranch and, <laughs> and, and like, Oh my gosh, that's where that's at. Like I've seen it on TV. That's, that's pretty cool. And that was when you were at Schaefer's. And in Mount house and I came over and visited you once while you were working there, I was in Sacramento for work uh, fairly regularly. But one time I came over, you were prepping for a race and I was going to help you or co-drive with you or something. And I don't remember the race though. It it had to have been a best in the desert event though.
0: That would have been the silver straight 300. It would have been the last race that
1: car did. That seems about right. And then I canceled and never, I know showed you for some reason. And I remember at the time, Lance Clifford's car was in there being built at the time. So, God, what year was this? Was this 2010? Yeah, it would have been early 10. Yeah, it had it been 2010. Well, hey, we don't. We, we kind of got off a sidetrack and really deep <laughs> d- deep dived in here really fast. So, on a day to day basis, you're who I've referred to as the walking, talking off road encyclopedia. Okay. As, as you giggle. Well, no, I mean. I can't think of an off-road component or number or part that, if I've ever like not known what it is, you aren't the guy who you call and be like, "Hey, what's this worn number?" Oh yeah, that's the blah 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 blah, and you cross that over, and that actually crosses. It's used on X Y Z and Z Y X, and and every day, and that's how your that's how your brain works, right? Uh, sadly, yeah, it, it's backwards as can be. And so, how long have you been at Trent Fab now? Ten and a half years, actually. That's insane. Is that how, is that when Schaefer's, yeah, you went from Schaefer's in, yeah, roughly 2010. So
0: when Mike decided he was going to close the Nevada shop and move back to the Bay area, he came in one morning and announced it and said, uh, you know, we have about four to six weeks left. You can move or if you can find a new job. Thanks, Mike. So Mr. Mike I, yeah, it was, it was kind of a shock to everybody, but I mean, that's, he was moving and he had family in Oakland, right? Like, yeah, he was from the Bay area, uh, Livermore, I believe it actually was. So he he moved back, you know, family and so on. And, you know, it's, it's really worked out for
1: him going back there. So it was a good move for him. And we're talking about Mike Schaefer, you know, Schaefer's off-road. I don't know if he's still in off-road. I know he raced, you know, like class 10 for a long time. He always seemed like he was involved. He built a lot of cars, you know, the 2009 King of the Hammers winner, Jason Shearer won in a, Schaefer slash Campbell car. Yep. And got to help put that together. And then all of the, you know, tons of rock crawling championships that kind of came out of that shop. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll jump, we'll jump back. We'll, we'll get there. Sorry. Again, <laughs> this is, this is always fun. This is always fun with me. We'll see how much, you know, Tourette's and schizo schizo I, I get on this, but so Washington. Squirrel. Yeah. Squirrel. What <laughs> your, your Olympic peninsula. Mm-hmm. How do you say the name of the town you're from? Montesano, 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 like insano Montesano. Uh, yeah, f- you got to be insane to live there. Well, and then you got out, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I escaped. <laughs> now, but you escaped. You joined the Navy. You're a Navy guy. I, I was. Yep. How many years did you were you in the Navy? It was six days short of four years when I was discharged after breaking my back. And how'd that happen? Because that's why today anyone you know anyone sees you 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 walk with a cane. I don't know how long I'd been around you before I realized you had a cane. It was days. <laughs> like it really was. It was in Wayne Israelson's shop. But, <laughs> and I thought it was a joke initially. And then I realized. So how do you, how did you break your back?
0: You know, that's not even a really good entertaining story. I was just, it was involved in a car accident. Yeah, just, it was, just uh, smoked. Guy got on the freeway, basically what would have been my off ramp and came into oncoming traffic. He moved from what would have been his left to his right lane, which was me moving from my right to left. And we both moved around the same semi and we're a couple hundred feet apart. Both of us going over 80 and it was, Oh, this is happening. And no reaction time. And
1: there's only about 80 feet of skid Mark and a huge boom. And then you, you didn't walk away. That, that didn't work out well for you. Did, did the, uh, did the other guy live? Uh, no, he didn't. That's that's, uh, that's yeah. out of all the years I've known you. I've never asked you that story. I actually I've never I I, I didn't know. No. Nope. I assumed if you wanted me to know, you would have told me and now today I'm the <laughs> one who's asking. I'm finally I'm asking. That's all good. Um, no, I did I saw a uh you know, as I'm doing, you know, my research and stuff, I'm going through, you know, going through your Facebook and found just fucking hilarious excuse my language on that one. Uh just an a hilarious meme, a KOH meme that has it's it's you with your cane and it says like Surprisingly, the blind guy's our driver. Oh, I looked like Ray Charles standing there that day, leaned back, looking up at the sky. And no, that and, one fit and, pretty well. And sunglasses on is what I saw. I just it it made me laugh and, and, and chuckle a little bit. And then so you ended up after after the Navy, after getting out, recovering, you know, from surgery, from uh, getting your, you know, kind of life back on track. How did you end up in off-road? I know somewhere in there you you met or knew the S&N fab guys. What was that whole history, and what kind of happened to them? They were these Pacific Northwest badass chassis makers, and then life happens, I guess.
0: Okay, I'll try and follow along with all of that. So I had a four-wheel drive, nothing special, before I went into the Navy, and I spent pretty much all of our time on logging roads just out in the woods. There was way more miles of gravel than there was a pavement in that part of the state, and just basically ran logging roads all the time. Clay Hills, weird stuff like that. And, you know, I moved I moved back home to Washington after I got out. Just needed some help kind of with some things adjusting and just kind of get my life back on track. And I had a forerunner at the time, which that thing evolved into a basket case, straight axle, forty four, just, you know, everything you can imagine in it at the time. And, you know, bought a a regular cab Toyota pickup to to have something a little more creative. And that was when uh, the first, it was called the NWRCA, Northwest Rock Crawlers Association. They held a -a one-time-a-year event over in Vantage, Washington, and decided I wanted to do that. So through a local forum, similar to Pirate, but just for the Pacific Northwest, which actually stemmed from an emailing list of all things. I mean, that's how far this goes back. You know, Jason and Trevor, S&N, were kind of kind of the top level guys in the area that you know were doing link suspension and big motors and big tires and so on and you know tried to get them to do a cage for me, but they were too busy and you know had had it done somewhere else and I ended up rolling the truck. the cage did what it was supposed to do, and that truck evolved into another Toyota that I tried my first season of comp crawling in, which, That was a poor choice. It was outgunned going into that one with a full cab and a flatbed on a Toyota. But you learned. Yeah, it was a learning curve. Pretty much took the door post off. First obstacle, first course down at uh, Cougar Buttes at the Lions Pride Park. Put the door in. Realized we were taking the doors home in the bed of the pickup. Threw a snowstorm. Yeah, it was fine. That that sounds like James Cantrell. (laughs) 15 years earlier, yeah. (laughs) So finally got Jason and Trevor when they they actually got the S and N real shop there in Arlington going and got them to build me my first chassis from them and just kind of became really good friends with them. Ended up, moved to Nevada, moved back to Washington, worked for them for about eight months in their shop, decided to move back to Nevada because they really just couldn't stand the weather up there anymore. And things just kind of got a little, little sideways in that friendship and it was time to move back down. And they built the KOH car that we used in Vita R09 and Shortly after that, they just, you know, I've been building buggies and were roommates for so many years, and they just kind of decided they wanted to to go their own ways, and Jason went back to engineering, and Trevor ended up in engineering. You know, Jason still lives up there in the Northwest, and Trevor lives down in Sacramento now. So,
1: Oh, wow. Uh, Those guys cranked out a ton of chassis for a long time.
0: My KOH car for 09 was, I want to say it was number 76, Jason's was 75. Mine was 76.
1: That's truly amazing. And then you raced another one. Like after, after that one's demise, we'll get there. You raced another one shortly thereafter that was the rental you referred to as the rental. It's still
0: called the rental to this day. (laughs) That was actually Jason's car he built for 2009, which was built the same time. My 2009 car was, I just, uh, I'd worked at Torchmate when uh, there was a merger with Schaefer's for a while, and I worked in the offices at TorchMate. So I had Mike in the tech department there. Mike Aiello. Yeah, Farva. Farva. We designed, my idea, he put it all to CAD, and we cut out the side plates to it with the dimple holes, the whole bottom, all the link mounts and everything in it. And I hand-carried that up to Washington when they started my chassis. And then they built kind of a one-off car into that subframe for me. And did away with their B hoop design and some of the other stuff to Eurobar the roof line and make a couple other changes in the tube structure of the car. Just aesthetically,
1: more than anything. So, a squirrel moment here. In the course <laughs> of your career, how many cars do you think you've had a hand in? Oof. 100? Well,
0: since I've been at Trent Fab, we put out over 150 so chassis. That- uh, I mean, from a carryout chassis to a turnkey. So, maybe
1: we're probably 200 250 that's a lot
0: i don't think that i mean i'd probably say 160
1: 170 that's a lot of off-road and smiles and miles right there it's a fair bit that's for sure yeah i mean <laughs> what the hell are you drinking <laughs> I, I, I drink that this. that is a room temperature beer wow So I tried that, uh, this pickle beer over Thanksgiving, it was the worst thing I've ever had, but that's what I envisioned my face look like each time I took a swig of that pickle beer, Martin house, pickle beer, your face looks like it's terrible. I keep forgetting it's room temperature and picking it up. (laughs) Yeah. Slow learner. This is, this is true. (laughs) Oh gosh. When you were in the Navy, what was your, uh, what was your MOS? That's a rate in the Navy, but it, I was an AO, Aviation Ordnanceman. Okay, aircraft weapons, bombs,
0: missiles, rockets, that kind of stuff. You just load them. So I worked in a couple different divisions. I worked in bomb assembly. Did a brief period of time with uh, flight deck crew, and I also worked in uh, ordnance control uh, as far as logistics. You know, elevators up and down. Just what go- what goes where, what gets assembled, how it gets put together, who moves it, and so on. Kind of got bounced around a little bit. I ended up. With really, really bad shin splints so far twice in my life, which, you know, running up and down ladders and trying to run, just pretty much doing anything, not sitting down all day is pretty miserable. So that kind of got me the desk job out of that. So, but. So you were you know, a carrier did. guy? Yes. Oh, that's,
1: what, what was the carrier you're on?
0: So I did the pre-commissioning on what was called the John C. Stennis back in 1995 out of Norfolk, Virginia. And I wanted to stay on the East Coast when the world cruise time came up. So I did a duty swap with someone from the Enterprise who wanted to go back to San Diego. Okay, cool. I
1: didn't really want to go to San Diego. It is, the weather's beautiful there, though, man. Everyone says, if you, I, you know, in, in hindsight, California, I should have. Yeah, th- yeah, life, life would have probably not changed too much for you. It probably you still would have probably ended up in off-road, maybe de- more desert earlier on.
0: Yeah. I mean, had I gone on that world cruise, I wouldn't have been in the car accident. So it's kind of one of those, you know, alternate endings to a story deal.
1: I don't, so, know. I don't know. I think you, I, I think you, no matter what, you know, I think there's some belief in that or whatever destiny, I believe there's destiny. I do believe in destiny to an extent. I believe some of your story is written, but I think you can have detours, you know, tangents, but I still think you come back to the mean. I think if you were going to be an off-road racer, you were going to be an off-road racer. And I think you've been an off-road racer. So. Well, I grew up,
0: you know, my dad, my uncles, I mean, I was at a motocross track when I was six weeks old and spent most of my younger life, you know, pre-elementary through kindergarten, early elementary school at a motocross track almost every weekend for, I don't know, up till about the eighties, up into the early eighties. So
1: yeah, motorsports was kind of a thing. I got my first dirt bike when I was three years old. See, and that's what, and that's what I'm saying. I think It's funny if anyone who listens to the show or just knows the other guys in, in ultra four, how similar so many of the stories are. Every single one of you guys is unique as can be. Everyone is so different. But when we look at our stories, like if you step back and, you know, how many started, you know, had an uncle introduced to motocross who introduced next thing, you know, they're, they're riding every weekend or whatever that equaled. There's so many of those, those that are very similar. Was there a lot of places to ride around, uh, Northwest Washington?
0: Yeah, uh, late 70s, early 80s, there was a motocross track. About every 50, 60 miles somewhere, there was... I mean, there was actually a track in Montesano that drew people from quite a ways away every weekend, you know, down to Tenino, uh down towards Portland, towards Washougal. and There was a handful of others I can't remember the names of now because, you know, it's been 40 years. But, yeah, there was a lot of motocross tracks.
1: It was really popular. I can absolutely see that. And then so then you... Or back in that area, you have your Toyota, you do your first rock crawl, like that's like 2001, right? Ish. Yeah. Pirate four by four kind of started around that time frame. What was your number? You were DSI on pirate. Yeah, I mean, that's knew who you were before I knew who you were. And that's the right phrase I wanted to use there. <laughs> what was your member number on there? It was pretty low, right? 920. See, you remember. I, I May of I was, 2000. <clears throat> That's solid. That's a that's a solid ass number right, right there. I think I was like thirty thousand, thirty-one thousand, but now there's like what there was like three hundred when it finally I think it's still going, but let's just say there was a mass migration. Yeah. Social media killed forums. And then that still sucks. Social media still sucks. It's so much worse than the forums. I I would rather go back to pirate. Like it just we just no one wants to go back. I said make it great again. Right. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, so the early the early days of you getting into crawling, then you end up with the chassis, and you're kind of working your way through. Kind of, I, I don't want to use the right words of, of bouncing from a uh, job to job, but you move several shops, and they were, you know, and they were some very legit shops in the early days. I mean, from S and N to Schaefer's to Trent Fab, and in those moves, you learn some pretty cool stuff all the way through there. And this is where I. I, I go back to complimenting you on being the off-road walking, talking encyclopedia. You started building that and, you know, honing your game. I mean, seriously, you're a subject matter expert on anything four-wheel drive all the way back. You know, you can re- remember a, b- a bearing race that you put in the you know right side axle on somebody's car 10 years ago. Yeah, I
0: think I've actually overloaded my brain to the point now I actually kind of have to pause and think on things like that. It doesn't roll out as easy anymore. Old age. Cor- <laughs> yeah, cor- we'll, we'll, go <laughs> we'll go with that. We'll go with that. And a little bit of Coors Light mixed in the middle there. And it's not that I haven't hit my head about
1: a dozen times over the years either. You used to have this soccer ball helmet. Still have it. I think it was amazing. So there was a, there was a KOH video. You know, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> what yep. w- was that in outer limits or spooners? It was in spooners. God, look at my memory. My memory is, is going too, but I still remember this. You guys were out of the car the camera is on you it's in the dark and your helmet was on top of the car you guys go to go and the helmet comes off the top of the car and bounces under and it you didn't know it was a helmet it looked like someone had a soccer ball out there just rolling around kicking it around yeah actually the uh intercom and the pumper
0: if you watch it swings under the car but it doesn't hit anything and i just reached out and grabbed the hose and picked it back up because we lost both lockers on the first trail of the day, and we ran and finished 36 that year. Open, open on 37 inch General Trophy truck tires. That was a hard, hard fought day, and just you know, Spooners was the last trail that year. We were at the bottom in one of the notches, and I kept falling off the line because I didn't have a you know any locker, and with the helmet on, it was just frustrated, dark, tired, exhausted. Tim was out of the car and I just set my helmet up on the
1: roof and he's like, "All right, come forward a little bit and boom, off it went." And that, there you go, Tim Priest.
0: Yeah, say Tim. Timmy.
1: I had for so I was trying to I was racking my brain to remember remember that. So somewhere in there, I think this is the 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 dynamite time to dive into. Uh, This is where I I met you in two thousand nine. I met you in Wayne Israelson's shop, and it was (laughs) it was for Vegas Torino. 2009 it was kind of this culmination of east west all of us together and and i was reminiscing this week because my wife is you know, un- you know we're getting ready for christmas right so all the all the decorations are coming out and she's been using a 2009 vegas torino shirt to wrap up like this cookie jar this christmas cookie jar and i find it i'm unwrapping it and i'm like oh man the memories that came back but think about that you and i shared an rv in wayne iselson's for like a week before that race we prepped on that car I remember guys like chris cabrera showing up guys like jim knox showing up i can't remember what the guy's name who was like the crew chief but we we put together three three cars and it was it was dave's kirby built ifs car Yep, your N fab forty four seventy one, and then ben napier with a bomber number one that had won yeah koh like the previous year so it was slosson coming and dave he called me dave Cole had called me and tasked me with talking to the owner of all three cars like leading up to it and find common parts like the common parts but there wasn't i don't even think they, they made out of
0: metal and they use bfg tires that was about the end of it the wheels and tires interchanged i really think that's where it stopped completely and we
1: made fuel pumps interchanged <laughs> <laughs> about a dozen of them yeah, it it, it was a lot. so that was really the first time I met you in person, but that started a relationship because I hung out with you Balance of 09 through 2010. I think the race that with the where your helmet came off the top of the car. I feel like that was 2010. It was. And we're looking We were camped with you guys after uh Parker. After Parker. So that's let's talk about Parker really quick because that was that was the Parker of the year. It started fl- it started raining right we're in the middle of the desert. I mean, this is the freaking parker arizona i mean it's total desert and it starts raining it just didn't rain a little bit it wasn't like sprinkles it started like downpouring and a lot of that race course is was through washes a lot of cars flooded or didn't make it or whatever and then there you are you guys come through you throw it in four a drive and you're just like fording rivers and like riding rapids in the dark lights bouncing off of white water and you and uh it was tim priest right yep freezing and the only word here is your nuts you guys froze your nuts off oh it was bad well the worst part was is the uh
0: where the master kill was one of the leads had was kind of folded over and it it finally vibrated and broke loose and we lost the ignition right about the time the rainstorm started so got out of the car got the tools kind of had to figure out how to fix it with what we had through the monsoon we had finally kind of just picked which things in the car needed power and stripped them. And it was wrapped around the post, nut tightened, wrapped in duct tape. And we I duct taped the switch to Tim's foot. And we left the interior panel and whatnot out. And we took off. We had one fan and the front headlights only. And just, I was like, well, we're going to finish the thing. I think we're the only car in the class still running, so... I think we got first place in the bag. So let's just cruise this in and say we finished it. You know, we found out later we would have been top five overall in the two lap race had, uh, we not had that problem, but you know, still getting a finish and then going to KOH seven days later and getting a finish was,
1: was a pretty impressive week. Yeah. No, six days later. Right. Right. I mean, we, It was a Saturday race. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday. And then KOH is Friday. So it was in, in prep in the car. And then that year was funky. Wasn't that the year that BJ Baldwin was going to drive with you? Yes. What a memory. I, yeah. Right there. And so BJ, he came to pre-run a couple times and then he just, he just no showed for the event itself. No, that was years later that he actually came and raced, but he, uh, he got sick and
0: Martelli's we're doing is marketing and media and Matt emailed me the day before the race and said, you know, BJ's not feeling good. He's not going to make it. It's like, Oh, well, I don't have the cash in my pocket to pay the entry fee. I thought that was covered. Um, I guess I had to
1: talk to Dave and Jeff. And then y'all still raced it and, and, and finished like your ability to finish races. How many times have you DNF'd over the last 15 years? Like once, twice, it's not very many. It's been
0: more than that. I, there's been a handful and they've all been, 50 cent part failures or just i don't know the the fallon 251 was completely driver error just pushing too hard but
1: it it hasn't been a lot it hasn't been a lot and no. it used to give you a hard time about this but your your trophy room or trophy closet or trophy wall you've got some freaking plaques man like a lot yeah there's a there's a couple good ones up there oh no i, I think more than a couple <laughs> all all good stuff and then so so going into like 2011 12 13 you raced 4400 through those years all the while working there at Trent Fab and then slowly as you know cars went IFS cars moved up you ended up going you know moving down in class and keeping the keep racing the same car what we've seen a lot of guys do which this goes back to Dave saying there wouldn't be more than one class ever now there's more classes <laughs> which is smart right it's a place for competitive cars that are no longer competitive in forty four hundred to to move to that next level and continue to keep racing and shit i mean that's extended your racing career in ultra four or what another seven years eight years yeah seven years yeah seven years yeah and and then now I'm not calling you old what are you i am you're, you're you're getting you know you're 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 in the forties ish ish <laughs> And, uh, and and now you're supporting other guys. I mean, you're supporting guys like Bailey Cole and, and, doing, and doing stuff with him and helping him you know, go to where, where he is today. As we talked about the cars that you were involved with and how I got to know you, you started to build an IFS car. And you're shaking my head. And are shaking your head. Sorry, I'm flipping me off here. This is solid work here. This is exciting stuff because – because the, because I I owe you a I owe you a huge debt of gratitude here and, and, and t- I'll pay it in my way probably you'll be like damn it Wyatt so you started building, a, building an IFS car Mike Aiello there at Torchmate you were working at Torchmate this is roughly that 2010 2011 period you guys start designing a, a mid engine was it mid was the plan did, right at the bat b- mid engine tell me about yes. the car in your head well Campbell's had built the
0: the class one that they call Oprah. The the big car they're still running today, and the idea was something for class one, best in the desert, that was still four wheel drive, and it was just trying to scale it down, which is where the uh, the class one body came from. That was on it. We actually, of all things, and you know, in hindsight, we used stands and we actually taped the whole body together, and then measured how to build the car inside the body. Because I actually bought the body before we bent the tube. I knew what I wanted it to look like. I just didn't know how to get it there. So we built it backwards. And there's nothing wrong with that. It came out pretty good.
1: It did. It did end up coming out pretty well when uh, you and Rick were done with it. So we're talking about uh, the unicorn. And by the way, that that car was named by Dave Cole. uh, It was. Dave named it. It was, you know, are we ever going to see this mythical creature, this unicorn? And it was You'd worked on it for a long time, collecting parts. And I don't know if the key words was lost interest or were ready to move on or whatever that didn't equal. But so you hit me up and you're like, cause I'd gotten out. I'd had a, a new, a new, my daughter was born in 2011 and I had burned myself out. You know, I think everyone out there who races or is involved in this motorsport, you know, it takes a team and it takes just countless freaking hours in the shop, you know, uh, working on your car, prepping your car, fixing your car. I mean, just to go, go break it and then not counting all the time away from work, you know, driving to events to do events. And I'd burned out by 2010. I was done. I didn't, I wanted no part of it. And so I sat out, my daughter was born in 2011. We started talking in probably about right then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> about right. Yeah. Then. You'd,
0: you'd asked about buying, buying into the car when it was done and getting to race part of it. And I'd had uh, a couple things change for me and, you know, working for a company that built one type of car while trying to build my own after hours in the shop, it, it started to butt heads. It did, it, it did start to cause problems, which soured kind of trying to work on it at the same time. So that, that was kind of the, the reason I got hold of you about moving on from it. It's, you'd shown interest and like, well, and there was my know, initial reaction project? though. Well,
1: yeah. What was my initial reaction? <laughs> Like, I was like, no, nope. <laughs> and then, and Not then a I, week later, yeah, I came back to it. it. was like, okay, let's, let's talk. And the thought was, okay, we could build this with a, you know, a, a takeout six liter, you know, like an LQ nine and, and a you know, 14 bolt rear. There's all these plans. Like I was, I, I was like, oh, I can put this thing together for so cheap. Like it could be so cheap no. Five years can, later, it was pretty much state of the art when it finally debuted. Yeah, it was it. It didn't been, been a good car. You know, I, I messed up, though. Like, I truly messed up. And, and this, is, this was my Achilles heel, and ultimately it became the Achilles heel of that car, was I tried to support local and stay local. So, in, you know, being in, in Houston, man, it's drag racing. We've got lots of drag racing. I mean, we're at sea mm-hmm. level and lots of drag racing. And really the best transmission shop here in town, everyone swears by, Circle D. Great guys, amazing guys. They build a badass drag racing transmission. It has no place in a desert car. And ultimately, you know, after, I don't know how many of those I went through, but I could change a transmission in that car pretty quickly, which is still a couple hours in that car. And Colhane got a hold of it. Colhane was very impressed with the transmission that was built. It had, you know, brass, everything in it. It was it was a solid car. It was a solid transmission. And, uh, you know, Easy Rick, Rick Mooneyham, it couldn't have been done without him. And we used to joke about, you know, his his business trick, Toy Fabrication, TTF, was... Totally Trent Fab. <laughs> that's a, that's, okay. I right? never heard that right? one before. To- totally Trent Fab. Uh, we'll give him a hard time. He's going to hear this and be like, I'm going to stab. I'm going to stab Wyatt next time I see him, which isn't that hard because he lives in Missouri now. I was going to say he's pretty close to you these days. Yeah, he's too close for comfort, and that's still 700 miles away. No, man. I I love Rick. But hey, yeah, his Dodge will lose a transmission again. It's fine. It's You guys are twin brothers on that. How many Your Dodge has left you stranded more times than...
0: Uh, it's always been electrical. It's always
1: been oh, cool. dead pedal issues. Luckily. Yeah, and then he just recently moved to Missouri and had a transmission issue on the way there. So yeah, that's, uh, in his Dodge, but yeah, so, so that car, but that car sucked me back in. Right. And I think, you know, that, so that was 11. Rick really, we started working on that car in 2012, 13. We raced it. We debuted it at Parker in 14 and then just started working bugs out. And then ultimately Alex Wacker ended up with it out of the blue, which that's a that's a wonderful great story you know i was a guy that i, I prepped the car after the race not before the race so huh. the car ends up being yeah what's that like right so i get this call out of the blue from Alex swacker hey man could i race your car this weekend at fallon like would you sell it and i was like it was tuesday night they were driving to nevada on on thursday with my car like they came got it that mo- that wednesday morning and it was gone and i didn't even get a chance to really say buy or process it i'm kind of i'm kind of glad having kind of bittersweet that happened but that was like, you know, that's been almost four, four years ago, five years ago. I think, yeah, I think it was sixteen, somewhere there, a long time ago. I, I still talk about it because I mean, now I'm a washed up has been that has a, a a stupid podcast that just talks to talks to racers. That's how I live vicariously through you guys. It's cheaper. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's the same amount of time commitment though, I guess. But I heard some, some, some cool stuff though recently though. Uh, you know so Alex took that car, it, it got reworked a little bit by Rick for Alex's taste. Then I don't know what he did, but he caught that thing on fire at some point, then it, it got shoved outside. It, it was a bare metal car. Now it looks like you know it, now it looks like a tetanus shop, but it's owned by a North Texas guy named Josh Hess, and, and Hess raced it a little bit, and he had some success here in Texas with it. And then now I think he's just lost interest but I got some text here recently. I think there's some guys that are about to acquire that car and we're going to start seeing it. We're going to see it get turned around is what I've heard. Okay. There's some guys that want to race all of the Mexican races. So all of Baja. All score. Oh, that car'd be perfect for that. It's long enough. It's low, wide. long. It's no, it's 125. It's like 90 wide and it's low. And it's got a ton of room inside. That's a roomy ass car for as small as it is. We actually went out and I sat in the
0: seat of my 07 Dodge and we measured the floor, the seat height, the leg room where the pedals were and the steering wheel. And when we started figuring out the seat to the
1: floor, to the bulkhead in it, it was mirrored off my daily driver pickup. No, it was perfect. It was comfortable. You could drive, you could be in that car for you know eight hours and you were still, still good to go. Like very, yeah. very comfortably good to go. Yeah, man. That's Unlike awesome. a lot of ultra four cars that are a little tight. <laughs> Well, you know, I think, you know, we, we, grew, we built cars back then, you know, and even you still see it today. You build a chassis, it has a subframe in it, and then that subframe ends up being the belly. You end up stashing the transmission in there and batteries in there and a, like an accumulator. And then, then there's a subfloor, and that ends up being the floor that your feet sit on. And you, What's that usually, 10 inches above the bottom of the car, and then the seat sits above that. Or twelve inches, so there's this yeah. this cavity under it. Well, that car didn't have any of that. Your no, your heels were on the ground. Yeah, it had it had the skid plate, then it had the two inch tube, and then it had the 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 subfloor, you know, the floor. It had a effectively, it looked like a like a cookie sheet that your heels sat on. Mm-hmm. That was it. And then under under the driver's seat, there was a uh, an accumulator immediately under it, and then that sat right on the skid. And then on the other side was a, a drive shaft attached to a, what did Wayne call those? It was uh, Wayne Israelson. Wayne made those little Zook, Zook shafts or what do you call them? Like su- sub unit bearings. It was like a midship. Hey, I know mid- what you're mid-ship. talking about. And I cannot think of what it was. And somebody's yelling at the, the radio right now going, it was a, I can't remember. Yeah, what it was exactly. Um, but it was like a little midship. We're and both going to get a phone call from Wayne after this. You guys, didn't I teach you better? And we we're like, I'm going to answer the phone. Sorry, bad. dad. Dad. <laughs> I did see on F- Facebook the other day, Wayne, uh, answer a question on, on there. And, uh, Chris Cabrera, I think was the one who was like, was, was like, Hey dad. Hey son. <laughs> and just started, it just, it just, it just made me, made me laugh and made me smile. But yeah, then that, well, you ever heard the story of how he got the name dad. Let's hear it.
0: You're the guy. So the O nine V to our team first got it put together. We decided to go Memorial day weekend and race a more race there in Lucerne. Cause, uh, JR John Reynolds was the fourth member of the original team. Okay, you know, it was myself, Jeff, JR, and Wayne. And things didn't work out for JR. You know, towards the end of it, so we went to this more race, more MDR, one of those guys. And uh, so we entered in class thirteen hundred, just open sportsman buggy. We'd gone out to do a little pre-running before going back to Wayne's to look the car over for the race, and we went to the Chinese restaurant in Lucerne Valley. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm, I don't know, there weren't any cats or dogs outside, so I'm not really sure what we ate, but you know, it's right next door to Johnny's garage now. So we're sitting at the table and the Asian lady thought that we were Wayne's kids. So he was dad. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's are, are, you, are you the dad? And he just looks at us with this, you know, Wayne didn't swear or drink or anything back then and just had this just sour look on his face. And it's like, whoops. <laughs> hey dad. Yeah, so that just stuck from there. I call him Dad. He is. I mean, everybody he, he's, does now.
1: He's like the father of ultra four off roading. Like like the first guy to you know crack the nut on how to tune a four wheel drive car. How to tune a yeah. how to tune a solid axle car, and that was one thing that w- that came out of that event was we went, you, myself, Wayne, and we went up and met Joel. Joel with Bilstein. What, what's Joel's last name? Ward, Joel Ward, Joel Ward, and Joel Ward, um, he, he, he ran for Bilstein for a long time and then he ended up going to and Th- Krupp elevators, which is the parent company. Yeah. He went up to Bay area
0: to work on elevators and
1: now he lives in New Mexico. He lives in New Mexico. And to be honest, I, I think he's, you know, he's one of the guys that currently got, you know, he got, you know, smacked with, you know, layoffs and downsizing or whatever. I believe Joel, Joel and I had exchanged notes. Oh man, probably June or so. I knew he was look he was looking for looking for work. I like a lot of people, right? I mean, that's kind of how it is right now. It's uh, it's kind of disaster. But so we go out, and I remember we went to Gene, Gene, Nevada. You know, just there across state line from prim, you know Prim Gene, and we pull off. And uh, what is that? Is that Pit Three? I think that's Pit Three. That's what I refer to it as uh, of the Mint Course. And we tuned with tuned with Joel and Wayne ended up being the one that basically got that car dialed in even though we were there with Bilstein, Joel, Joel was doing his work, but Wayne, Wayne had it figured out, man.
0: Yeah. He sat back way- and just watched from the sidelines and just kind of, I don't know.
1: He, he figured, I guess he fixed the glitch. He fished. He, he, he was sorry, seeing stuff in the matrix in 2009. And that, and for Wayne that worked out, right? Because he built a, a career. I mean, he reinvented himself as he, he'd gone from painting the Rose bowl and painting commercial buildings, having all these crews that were painting stuff to. He ended up being the the, the suspension whisperer for the uh, the go fast forty uh, four hundred crowd. Then he started doing short course and pro fours with Rob Mack, and then he started co driving for Rob Mack in trophy trucks. And then he started. Yeah. T- he was. T- I will never forget this though. In Cam Steele, Cam Steele, I'd like to. I still want to have him on the show. We've we've scheduled and and missed, and scheduled and missed, and we talked at KOH and scheduled and missed, and it just has it. Cam and I haven't haven't flanged up, so that's a. Uh, Hopefully we'll get him on here here one day. But Wayne was scheduled to or was planning to schedule to to go tune with Cam out of Parker. And Rick and I reached out to Wayne about tuning. And I don't know how it went down, but Wayne blew Cam off to come tune us. And I was like Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. And and he was he was like, No, man, you're my family. That was how he was. He was like, You're you're my family. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we, we we went and met him in uh, uh Barstow. Met met in Barstow. Loved it. Pour the car up. It was solid. Solid work. A bar still break anything? Yeah, it absolutely absolutely will. Yeah, man. So, dad, dad, <coughs> what, how did how did the two thousand nine deal come together? I talk about it a lot. I think it's 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 almost a an urban lore at this point of how kind of forty four hundred came to be and kind of how there was this merging of east and west guys, and you were right there in the center of it. I was an answer to the guy. I got I got called by Dave and said, "Hey, fly out here." So.
0: Well, when it first came up that they were looking to do it, you know, I, I wanted to, but I didn't have the resources and whatnot. I actually called Jeff. And, Jeff Knoll. You know,
1: yeah. There's there's an old name drop, right? Jeff Knoll. Uh, yeah. So I saw, I saw his son, Cody. I saw Cody in Oklahoma. His son was at Nationals. Yeah, Cody actually is working in the shop right now for us. Oh, that's awesome. He's a great welder.
0: Oh, he's a good kid, too.
1: So, so in Vegas to Reno in 2009 was a special year and it's never been recreated since, right? It was, they called it the long way. They did a two day or a couple years back, but yeah, not,
0: they haven't done another three day one, nothing quite like that. But so I called Jeff and I'm like, you know, how, how do I do this to, you know, how, how can I get into this? Like, you know, I have a car, but I don't have any money. You know, I don't have the means to put this together. And he's like, oh, I don't know. You know, we talked for a little bit and a couple of days later he calls me back. He's like, you know, if we can team up. We can, we can make a group. We can use your car because it exists, you know, which I
1: think was kind of a, a jab at Dave not having a car at the time. That's right. It was being built and didn't know if Kirby was going to have it done.
0: Yeah. So, you know, Jeff got together with
1: Wayne and, you know, brought JR in at the time and you know, we kind of worked that out to put it together. And then that grew, and then they started putting out the feelers. And I I don't remember how that came to be. I don't remember who all they called or how they called, but I ended up in a chase truck, Jeff Knowles Super Duty, um which if you – It was yeah, a nice truck. Yeah, it was a nice truck. We didn't do anything to it. Like, we just drove it. It, it was fine. It was the same as we – he gave it to us, we gave it back. We didn't tear anything up man, you would have thought we murdered his firstborn and everything. When we, when, he, he just said, we destroyed his truck. We, he said there was hot, fiery hot Cheetos everywhere and sunfire seeds. And I was like, I was not any of that. I don't remember any of that. The only thing That's we still did a conversation point to this day, sore, completely sore Oh boy. Yeah. So he, uh, the only thing I remember us that was bad and Adam Woodley and Dan Barcroft and J.R., Sorry, not JR, uh, RJ, RJ Brown. That's my dyslexia yep. kicking in there. RJ Brown, RJ Brown and Jeff on day two broke down in the middle of nowhere. And we went in with They Jeff. caught the car on fire. Don't forget that part. Did it catch fire there? I remember. Yeah, I don't. It's, it
0: was just a flash up. But yeah, it was just after the driver handoff and they took off out across
1: that big lake bed and another fuel pump failure and and lit it off. But after we recovered them and it was late, it was, you know, let's call it 10 PM in the dark. And we had like a three hour drive to, and they guys worked on it all night long. To, you know, Greg Mulkey was there cooking, cooking food for everybody, but we're leaving and I was driving and Adam Woodley, you know, is, is in the passenger seat in the front. And we're, I think we're three wide in the front and four wide in the back of this crew cab. I mean, yeah. and, and, and Jeff and RJ, they have their, their fire suits. You know, they didn't have shirts on underneath. It was 130 degrees outside. And then at least go put yourself in a race car. So we're all, and we're stinky as hell just, and we're stuck, yeah, you know, like bare skin, stuck to bare skin in there. And these bunnies, these suicidal effing bunnies, we're driving, and I've got all, Jeff had all these chase rack lights on, and we're going down the highway with, lighting it up like a, like a football stadium, just, and hauling the mail with your car on the trailer behind us, trying to get to where you know get to Hawthorne, maybe it was Hawthorne, yeah. Ha- get to Hawthorne to to repair the car. And these freaking jackrabbits—they'd run out in front of the road and just stop, and we would mow them. I I, I want to say we killed a hundred a hundred rabbits. Like uh, there wasn't hitting the brakes. You weren't going to check up. You weren't. They were. No, nope, send and, it. And Woodley is like, "Dang man, what's up with all these suicidal bunnies?" <laughs> <laughs> to <this> day, <laughs> i have his head that, that whole voice in my head talking about these suicidal ways i ain't never seen nothing like this man adam ain't none of us seen anything like this nope but yeah so D- i think dave put together that team like calling everybody ridgeway was on that team ridgeway was dave's other driver you know he burned the car down car or a car burned down with him in it i don't yeah, <laughs> who was the co- who was the co-driver for Rid- Ridgeway? That's the, the I racked my brain; I couldn't come up with that. I don't remember. Yeah, I I, I couldn't come up with that. And then you had uh Napier and uh, Randy Slauson and Mike Slauson was Randy's co-driver and, and Ben Dave co- Camp. D-
0: Dave, Dave Camp
1: was the other Australian. Yep, the other Australian. That's right. See, I I, I remember that. And then the day before. Yeah. I don't know that that was a race, you know, we weren't prepared. That was a learning curve for all of ultra four and the, you know, our fueling systems and deadheaded rails, how much, you know, we came out of that race and Wayne redesigned a a rail, a racing rail system and pretty much everyone ended up, you know, converting to that. We had gone, we were rock crawlers in 2009. We were still effectively rock crawlers. Oh yeah. And, and just trying to learn to go fast, you know, and I remember seeing it was a, it was a video with, uh, it was an interview, it was a video interview with Ben Rob Bender Park, and he was standing in his shop and somewhere in California and he looks over his shoulder and there's a there's a trophy truck or a you know a, a seventy two hundred truck or something. It was a desert vehicle. And then on the other side was a rock crawler, and he like he points at the the, the desert car and was like, yeah, I mean this car has you know forty, fifty years of technology behind it. There's rock crawler. Well, we've got five at that point. Right. So just as as And now, uh, so I posted, you know, just this past week on, you know, the talent tank insiders page, like what's the next big thing, right? What's the next, we've finally seen tech flowing from ultra four to trophy truck, right? We see four wheel drive trophy trucks. That was stuff that we used to get laughed at for.
0: Well, I mean, the Herps did that, uh, four wheel drive truck several years back
1: that, I don't know, it was short on front wheel travel and it weighed them, weighed a lot. And it never, it never worked out. It didn't have any, it wasn't successful at all. No. And then I recall, you know, rolling into that station casino parking lot for Vegas Torino sitting in the front of Wayne's motorhome, And Andy McMillan was, I mean, he's a hot driver and he was young. I, I won't say at the time, I don't know how old Andy is now, but however old he was then, but early twenties. Yeah. And he laughed. Oh yeah. He pointed and laughed at <laughs> and i was of this fruition that uh you know everyone knew the mcmillans even you know from t- i was all the way from texas knew who they were and what their trucks were and i was like he's laughing at our rock crawler that we're coming we're coming to race him and then what year did the rock donkey thing come out because pistol pete was at that event right that was i think that was O nine. nine oh eight or oh nine and then and then they raced baja in cars, maybe you know, 10 or 11 or somewhere like, and that's where the rock donkey racing kind of came from out of, out of Dave Cole. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually what he named his team. Yeah. Rock donkey racing. Cause, yeah, of, cause it was actually kind of funny. Cause of pistol Pete. Yep. it yeah. was a good slide. It was kind of funny. Yeah, it was, it, it was great. Yeah. No, he, he named his team just, I don't know. It was funny. Yeah. We got off on a little there. Somebody need to refill their beer. And it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, as we're talking about Pistolpedia, it's, you know, sad that, you know, we lost that guy. I mean, he, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way for a lot of times, but he was just still a really good dude and really always had like what he believed to be off-road in best interest.
0: Oh, no. It, I think a lot of what, I think he did it just for shock effect is, I mean, you know, I've met him a couple of different times, different races and so on. And he was, he was a really nice, genuine guy. He just had a great sense of humor.
1: He's loud. and the, the hair. <laughs> Banned for life. Banned for life. Mm -hmm. I I, I played blackjack with him at one of those races. He was, he was a fun, he was a fun guy to play, have at your blackjack table. He was a, he was he was a good dude. Speaking of good dudes who I met through you, the grasses, Mo and Jeff grass. I haven't heard from either of those guys in years. I think Jeff burned himself out. Like at one point there was one King of hammers. I think he had like, it was like 13 or 14. I think he had like 13 or 14 motors in the, in the main race. It was uh, like, Yeah. It sounds about right. It just, it just killed him. He was just working way too hard and, and, uh, it just didn't, didn't work out for him. Last I heard, he's got a mini bike track, a, you know, a uh, little mini bike races in his backyard, but it draws like hundreds of peoples, like hundreds hmm. of people and a big entry. I didn't know any of that.
0: I just followed his Instagram for a while. Um, I haven't seen anything from him in quite a while, but, uh, he was working on you know classic cars and old hot rods and stuff he was back
1: East, or midwest for a while and now he's back in california well i I think his daughter was going to university of arkansas or was oh, that to, what it was or was going to school in arkansas so he was back here a, a little bit i skipped somebody in there that i wanted to talk about tj flores yeah as we were talking about the unicorn you and Mike Aiello, Mike being the design guy that was, was at Trent Fab at the time, I'm sorry, was at Torchmade at the time. And did, yep. did Mike have some hand in the TTB car? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike
0: actually drew the initial renderings for that. I, this this is a little bit of a di- disputed story, but I actually still have the email to prove it, that that was drawn back in 2009. And there's an interesting fact that if you take a tape measure to the front of that TTB car and my old original 2009 and chassis, the frame rails are the exact same measurement. It was based off of retroing beams into the front of that SN car that we ran in VDR. Oh, wow. Okay. So Mike had done the basic renderings and had kind of gotten it figured out in 2d, but it never obviously progressed past that. But You know, he drew it while he worked at Torchmate, so it kind of belonged to
1: Torchmate. Fair enough. The car we're talking about is the one that, uh, it was raced by Torchmate Racing with JT Taylor as the driver. Yep. He won Reno with it. The Yep. The second stampede, the long one. The long one. And then it went to Clyde Stacy with RPM Racing and Robbie Gordon. Did Robbie race it two years in a row at KOH? Yeah, the f- one year he blew the motor on the lake
0: bed, not far in, and then the following year he rolled it at the top of a wrecking ball. And which
1: one did he helicopter out and leave Lance?
0: Oh, that was the one they blew the motor up on the lake bed yeah. at like mile thirty.
1: Yeah, Lance, <laughs> you can you can hang out with the car. Sorry, Lance Clifford. Yeah, you yeah, I got, I got it back to North Carolina. Yeah, Bye. I'm I'm out. And then there was a was our falling out with, with with Robbie and Clyde. I never really heard, but the car languished. It it didn't get raced for. I don't really know. I've heard different hearsays, but I, I don't know
0: any of the details with it, but JT got lucky enough to get it back somehow. And then he sold it this
1: week for the second time <laughs> for the second time. Right. So we talked he, he, uh, I, man, I probably, I don't know how much to say. I still want to know who bought it. Well, I, yeah, I, I know, you know, actually you just, you just don't know that, you know, the guy he sold it to wired him on the first time the you know, a, a week ago or whatever this was. And, he, he drove to, and this guy had it was doing it right. Rented a house in Lake Havasu and was going to use the car and get used to the car between now and King of the Hammers because he was going to, you know, it came with an entry spot, so he was going to race it, and this guy had raced in the past. JT met him in Lake Havasu City to drop the car off, and the guy had a he, full-on panic attack. Never drove the car, never got in the passenger seat. It was my understanding from JT, and it just didn't work out. And I, he, well, I think he felt really bad, but he just like puking panic attack over, over over what that equaled. And for me, I'm like, man, I just feel totally bad for the guy. I mean, the rest of, you know, we romanticize things in life for sure. And I think he had romanticized getting in that car and racing that car. And then when it actually came to, came to a reality of it sitting there and he was going to have to get in and it's sitting there rumbling, big motor and just like, Oh crap. No, I'll, I'll kill myself in that thing. You know, like, sorry, dude. No, it's a, it's a fast car. So JT was worried, you know, he, he called, you know, well, I, I think I called him first and was like, dude, what happened? Because we just talked the day before about it. And he said, yeah, the the, the, the issue is now, I'm, you know, he's worried about the, the quality of the car. Like people are going to doubt the quality of the car, right? Because the guy backed out, right? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I absolutely do not think that about the TTB car. That thing is a very documented pedigree. All the people and partners, there was no expense spared when Torchmate built it. Nope. Then you go through the owner, you know, who worked on you know, Jesse Haynes working on it. Uh, and then you look at who, who's raced that car. Then the, it went to RPM, RPM, you know, it's sitting in a stable with Geyser trucks. It's got to look nice. It's got to be nice. It's going up to be up to par. Robbie Gordon, you know, Robbie Gordon raced that car on numerous occasions. It is above board, JT. I don't have a problem with that. We get off the phone, not even 30 minutes later, text sold. Yeah. I saw it pop back up and it was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. What, and then yeah, there? Sold. I can't wait for the guy who, uh, who, who bought it to come out and make it public. And I'm sorry, I'm just not going to be the guy to drop it. But I think, uh, Fair. It, in, in my opinion, the, the right guy got it. Uh, that's, sure. it's, it's somebody who I I thought really should have probably bought it the first time. And, uh, I think even showed interest the first time around is why I thought that. And then, um, I, for whatever reason, it didn't happen then but here you know the guy got another cut at it and he got it so so hopefully you know we'll see that race at KOH I don't think we'll see it outside of KOH I think that's that'll be the the event this individual takes it to will be you know that race I don't I don't see it being a series car but it'll do good at KOH it's really built for that course it's really built it's, for that course yeah yeah so what are your plans for KOH this year I sold the legends car that uh
0: that Bailey had been racing, that it was originally the Crawl America car. Um, I sold that to Father Son, had a Northern Oregon. Father Brett actually bought Napier's Penhall and never raced KOH. Had been down there a couple times, was into some big tire bouncer stuff on the West Coast here. They came out to KOH last year and finished eighth in Ben's old car. His son turned 18. You know, his son had been doing some bouncer stuff as well and doing pretty well at it and wanted his son into ultra four. So I went up to Oregon over the summer there with the COVID and lockdown and all that stuff. This Buffalo farmer up in central Oregon made a 12 mile loop in his 300 acre field. No kidding. It was a $125 entry fee. It's like, okay, go get, go drive a car that I own. It does some fun. So I went up there and you know met the Harrells and you now he decided he wanted to buy that car for his son. So um, I'm going to work with them next season with the legends car and the Pennhall both. And again, with doc Jones, another legends car that we built out of the shop here. And well, that car pretty much lives in Reno. We store it, we prep it, we transport it for him and so on.
1: So, and, and I met him in Oklahoma. He's a, he's a chiropractor out of Montana, Wyoming, Wyoming, Wyoming. Yep. That guy's a cool dude. What's his first he name? Is. Jeremy, Jeremy. That's it. Jeremy Jones. Yes, I hope Jeremy hears this because we met in Oklahoma and he walked up and we were talking and I got introduced to him and he just was full of cool kick-ass stories. And that goes back to the you know, birds of a feather flock together. Granted, we're in a, you know, a, a rock field in Oklahoma at a race. So, of course, you know, you could throw a stone and hit another race. So that's kind of how it was. So you'd already fought right. together, but yeah, man, that that guy was very, very, very cool. And we talked about his, uh, his Trent fab car and the success that he's had and how quickly he's had success uh, because of you know, quality equipment. Yeah, no, he,
0: he didn't spare an expense when it was built and, you know, every car has a bug here or there and, you know, it was a learning curve for him to get into it there, the start of the first season, but yeah, he's, he's really done well with it and taken off. And, you know, he was, what, third in the series last year, second this year. Yep. Won NorCal last year. You know, he won, he won the Baja race last year, the first one ever. He won nationals the year before as well.
1: So he's, he's he, not shy about getting it on top of the podium. He's, he's built, building a very, very quickly building a name for himself, which for me, when I hear a name like Jeremy Jones, God, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not that old. Like I, but I, I'm, I'm 44, but I don't feel that old, but I feel like a name like Jeremy Jones. I picture like this, like 22 year old kid. Right. And this guy walks That's What up He and, acts like, yeah, he, he's got that ambition and just,
0: he's so amped up and just so lively that he, he he's like, he's 22 years old still.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, the question is, if you're a chiropractor, do you have to have another chiropractor to do work on you? You do, right? Uh, you can't do your, you can't do your own surgeries, right? A surgeon can't do their own surgeries, right? I actually
0: know the answer to that question. He has one other doctor in town that practices the same techniques that he does and they actually adjust each other. So they have a deal. Yeah. Like yeah, They secret they handshake work on each other. <laughs> yep.
1: That's one of those same, that's one of those statements where, uh, you know, when we talked like pre-record, I said, you know, if, if you ever say something that comes out like awkward, can you yeah. want to restate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm leaving that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jeremy Jones and and and, and his uh, uh, chiropractor buddy there in uh, uh in Wyoming. Yeah, so, so,
0: so. I mean, come on, it's Wyoming. They have uh, rubber boots with Velcro in them,
1: right? It, Velcro gloves, right? <laughs> yep. Man, so I want to ask you some questions about about Bailey Cole. Sure. And what we've seen today out of Bailey Cole, you know, Bailey is you know the son of Dave Cole owner of the ultra four series Uh, but we've seen you know bailey is really over the years has really come into his own um he's racing 4400 now he's having a lot of success he's a very fast driver unless you throw a pond out in front of him and then it's another (laughs) story but he's, he's becoming, so that happened. <laughs> he's becoming a, 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 a very, a very good driver to watch. I actually really enjoy watching and tracking Bailey Cole and, and his efforts. And you had a lot of, uh, a lot of hand in in his early, early days and early era as he raced a Trent fab car and he still races a Trent fab car today. Walk us through that. Like what it was like to tutor and tutelage and all those words. So, uh, I kind
0: of decided in the 16 season, I was just going to hang it up. I had some uh, personal life problems and some other issues that year. And I just kind of got burned out. And uh, I talked to Bailey at the Fallon race that year and, you know, told him I probably wasn't going to race the following season. And, you know, I didn't think much of the conversation. A couple of days later, I get a call from Dave. He's like, are, are you really going to I'm like, I just want to step back, you know, take a little time off. He's like, well, would would you work with Bailey? You know, would would you let him race your car? Can we put a program together? Okay. All right. And so we met for Thanksgiving weekend on, uh, down at the hammers and through Bailey in the car blind. And he's running 94, 95 miles an hour. Up Wayne's wash talking on the radio. And Dave's like, uh, no, we got to slow him down. That that's, that's not going to happen. This, that's too much. I was like, well, look pretty controlled from here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, cause Bailey kept going to races and it wasn't that he wasn't in a good car. It was, he didn't have the support. He didn't have the pit crews, You know, he didn't have the prep and so on because, you know, Dave's busy with everything else and he didn't have the support. So it was one of those, you know, can we can we work together with the car and put a team together to support Bailey so that I can focus on running the organization and Bailey's in a car with people that, you know, can get him there and can take care of everything. And there's a big trust factor there. Yeah, that was for sure. And that was one of Dave and I's first conversations. He's like, you know, I, I trust you with my son's life. You know, I, I trust you to put this together. And I was like, okay, you know, I think I've killed a couple
1: of fish and I don't have any pets. So yeah, this, this will be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've been good with dogs though. You've, you've been solid with dogs. You've got, you've got a dog now, China. Yep. Yeah. She actually just ran out of the room here. Cujo. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. You make you say you kill things, but yeah, you you've successfully been there. And, and so Bailey, has that been? I mean, you know, you don't have children of your own in this regard, but has that been somewhat fulfilling to see a, a guy that you effectively had under your wing for the last three years move four years move to where he is at today in competing his level of competition and his where he's completing races and finishing. Oh. Absolutely. I mean,
0: you know, the first KOH 17, you know, they came in and turned, turned a bunch of lights off in the tent and, you know, we're doing an interview with Bailey and he he kind of stumbled through it and he, you know, he's having a hard time with it and watching him now, he can just walk up to any reporter, boom, they turn the camera on, one take just rolls through it like a professional. And it's, you know, it's cool to see that growth and just, you know, not only as a driver, but just, you know, public speaking and, you know, everything else his education, you know, going to school up in flag now and all
1: that. So it's been really neat to watch him over the last few years, really mature and grow that way. And he's, he's got a solid, solid girlfriend slash. Are they engaged yet or close? I don't believe so. I
0: don't don't think so,
1: but she's been
0: a huge help for him as well. She's, you know, she's, she's got a great personality and she's fairly outgoing and is quick to correct him if, if there's something going on. So,
1: doesn't no, miss a she's, race. She's pretty awesome. Yeah, Dot. No, she, she doesn't miss anything. No, Dot's eyes crosses T's. Make sure he has his junk together. Pretty much. Yeah, that is good stuff. Well, it's been pleasant to watch Bailey's progression, and I knew a lot of that came out of uh, you know the Trent Fab, you know the Trent Fab, you know studio, the stable, whatever you, it, you know you guys build solid, solid cars all the way you know back to you know that crawl cover with uh, Derek Trent and the the red one fifty one chassis. Is that what it was called? That was actually a hundred proof. 100 that was proof. the, yeah, that was a Tahoe car. And, and just airborne in it, you know, it's, it's airborne. It's like, wow, these guys are doing some, you know, cool stuff out West way before we even considered thinking we were ever going to go to California to race. And little alone did we think we were going to be going there every single year in February. So that, that seemed just a, a, a wild story back when Tom ways was racing, you know, wheeling that, that orange lever car that was, was that car. And then, you guys have cranked out how many 150 cars since you've been there. That seems realistic. That, that seems totally real too. I haven't actually
0: updated the list in a while, but it was at 146. Last time I updated it, we have eight active projects in the shop and a couple of left. So we're, we're over 150,
1: 155 range right now. And so in the shop today where you guys are at in, in sparks, what's Derek's role today? Well, after, <laughs> uh, Derek
0: has to answer the phone. Now that, uh, that came from a customer-related issue a few years ago. But for the most part, Derek bends all the chassis. He yep. he does all the tube work himself. Yep. That's the one thing he really likes. He's real good with the hands-on, you know, the Lexan. Like, we make splash boxes for going to the East Coast because they're front-filtered cars. So, a little intricate, you know, making the little detailed pieces like that. He's real good with that kind of stuff. But he really likes doing the tube work and, you know, basically the chassis assembly things. And that, he's he's that, real meticulous about everything is square, everything is right, everything is exactly where it needs to be.
1: That's where I was going. I I knew that was, you know, what his mentality is and, and where he he's at home out there. And then you're kind of the, the captain up front, making sure that parts are coming in, parts are ordered, you're writing vendors' assets. I don't know how you do that. How do you have you not gone crazy? And you have all your hair or most of it. Nioxin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, every once in a while it's, it's one of those,
0: alright, step back take a breath don't, don't lose it on anybody um, nice part is with, since we started working with Bailey on the, the race thing is we've actually kind of branched a, a race program in-house which is pretty much my program it's, that's more my side of everything in there now,
1: but while still dealing with the admin vendors and so on as well So I knew you did that for, or at least I thought, uh, Brian Wood, you know, 44.77 back when Brian was racing. Was was that a kind of under the wing tutelage thing as well? To a point, yeah. Yeah. Met Brian back in 2012 at Hammers and just kind
0: of became friends from there. And I let him actually race the original top shelf at uh, Stampede a year later. And he, you know, got himself a KOH spot and had
1: had to hurry up and get himself a car ready. And then that's how that happens. And then next thing you know, you're, you're selling cars. Yeah. Right. I I know there was a, there was a guy that was working for Rick uh, a long time ago, Mark, that ended up kind of coming up and working for you guys for a little bit and then ended up just not liking Reno at all and came back down to Havasu. But yeah, I, outside of that, I can't, I, I don't know too many people that have worked at Trent fab, but you guys bust out some damn work and some beautiful cars. Yeah. We've, we hit a little bit of a slowdown here, just
0: backlog of stuff and, you know we're down to one person that can do finish work and turnkeys up until about six months ago, so you know any anything that involved tin work or aluminum you know interiors and whatnot those projects really really took a a time delay unfortunately, but you know rollers, chassis, and stuff like that still go out pretty quickly but yeah, anything that involved aluminum or uh finish work really unfortunately kind of took a back burner just due to lack of manpower and you know like mark not like in the Reno area. The cost of living here is it, it's not inviting for somebody to come move here for a job in this industry because this industry doesn't pay as good as a lot of others do. And the cost of living here is, I mean, we're turning into
1: California so fast, it's painful. So is that something that's on the horizon for for you or for Trent Fab? I think, you know, I think this is a good segue. You're building a new house now, right? <laughs> trying, trying to. How's that been going under COVID? COVID's
0: yeah. almost got me defeated on this one. <laughs> Kick your dick in the dirt. Oh, it's bad. You know, when this whole thing quit or started, the county just closed the office and said email only. Unless And unless you're a contractor or a realtor, they don't respond. So what should have been a 60-day close back in March was six months for a piece of dirt. Yeah. You know, there was a lien on the property that the seller's agent didn't disclose. And just, I mean, if it was a hurdle, they threw it
1: out in front of us just so whatever to slow it down you know uh, a bureaucracy grinding to a halt yeah and then you know funding
0: VA loans uh new construction loans have all kind of gone into this weird oh we don't we don't know what we want to do right now we're we're not really going to work with that you know let, let's see what the future holds and it's like okay while people's lives are in limbo yeah yeah, that's, you know, but I have a, I have a beautiful view up on a hill to go take a lawn chair and drink a beer and watch a sunset.
1: Now, so your current house though, I remember when you moved in there and that's been a lot of years ago and you used to have this again, amazing view. And now you have a view of another subdivision. I have a view of a charter school. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah I had a view that went all the way out across the highway and like from the porch off the master bedroom here, I can actually see the new property where the new house will be on the hill across the highway.
1: Oh, that's so, nice. So you're not
0: moving too yeah. far. Nope, stone's throw away. I just, I didn't want a neighbor, you know, a hundred feet away, and with, you know, multiple trailers, my toter, you know, everything else I've got. It's a track home side yard access, and you know, it never
1: fails. Whichever trailer is the one in the back is the one I need next. I think you've said that in the past as well. And and then uh-huh. you had, and then whichever one you moved to get to it, by the time you were able to move it back, you already had like a letter from the HOA.
0: Luckily the HOA thing has died off. I'm, I'm not the newest person on the street and I'm not the one throwing backyard parties at two o'clock in the morning. So they don't look at me anymore. That's kind of nice, but you imported some heat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right across the street from me. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> they're awesome. Those guys are, yeah. uh, they're, they're part of the rock zombies, right? Love those guys they rip it a hundred percent rip it you're just laughing <laughs> it's because you go to bed too early you old man yeah yeah so there's that yeah oh man so what's next for you uh, if you get the house built what's next for you in, in racing you you've had a lot of goals and you've checked and you and i talked about this a decade ago about checking boxes on on racing and racing experiences what races haven't you you check what what goals haven't you checked the boxes on for off-road for you or just in racing in general for you?
0: I've only ever hit the podium at KOH once and it was third place. That's really the last one to check off. I mean, you know, I got a series championship, but you know, I've won other races.
1: And so it, the lake Bed's the one that's eluded me. It's eluded a lot of people. Hell Dave, you've got finishes though. And a podium there, even at third, there's lots and lots and lots of people that have never finished that race.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there is. And you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, It's the one thing I'd like to check off, but, you know, I was looking to do the 4,500 class again this year, but, you know, I don't own that car. So kind of working with, with a car owner and, you know, he, he kind of wants me to buy the car from him. And until I can, you know, get a little
1: further on the house thing and whatnot, I don't really want to part with the funds. Yeah. You want line of sight, right? No, there's nothing wrong with that. You want line of sight on, you know, there's, there's so much uncertainty right now. Well, let's even back this up a little bit koh 2021 hashtag koh 2021 you think this thing's going to happen in some way
0: some level i i believe it's actually going to go off but uh how many people are allowed on the lake bed or you know how many feet apart we got to stay how much you know face shield with a mask and you know a ventilator system and an oxygen pack and who knows what else they're going to force you to wear but i mean i was just down in the lake bed for thanksgiving and That was the biggest Thanksgiving weekend turnout I've seen on the lake bed in the years that I've been going down for a Thanksgiving weekend. Not a bit of any required rules in sight,
1: Yeah, which was kind of nice. it's like it doesn't exist. I mean, I'll tell you, like, where I'm at in Houston, it doesn't exist. I mean, it doesn't exist except for it exists from the front door of a restaurant to the table, and it exists in a grocery store. Those are the only – i mean most most i mean the mask thing just isn't it's just not enforced i mean i I fully believe the virus is real please please no one don't you know hate me and say you know you know you're, you're 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 putting out you know I'm dispelling whatever no, I believe it's a totally real virus, but I also believe you know what we've seen is ninety nine point nine nine seven percent survivability you know rating it's a virus ultimately as a herd of humans. We all need to get it, yeah. Herd immunity, yeah. And and unfortunately, uh, that's you know the only thing that you know, is for sure in this country is death and taxes, right? And 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 none of us live forever. Mostly I mean, taxes anymore. Yeah, mostly <laughs> taxes. And that's the thing about life. What they say, don't take it so seriously. No one gets out alive. Exactly. Well, don't get me wrong. We all want to live as long as long as humanly yeah. possible. But you know, you should be able to, I don't know, take your own precautions. If you, if you have asthma or you feel that you are high risk, don't put yourself in high risk situations or what you believe is perceived or whatever the TV tells you is a high risk situation. So my concern about KOH 2021 is we're eight weeks away, seven weeks away ish.
0: 50 something days. I saw Levi's
1: counter on Instagram today, like 54 days or something. I'm glad I didn't see that because that's that's not very many days. When you put it in in days format, that feels like a lot sooner than later. But, yeah, I mean, the the state shut down in a lot of regards. An event like that with permits like that with 60-plus thousand people getting together there under a permit, I can see them pulling the plug on that thing, and that would just destroy Yucca Valley. That would destroy everything in that little part of the world. And they rely on just the dollars coming out of that lake bed for that, you know, 10, 12 days of, uh, of late January, all of, you know, that first couple, you know, that first week in February. I don't know. I, I want it to happen like nobody else's business, but just like everybody else, we all want it to happen, but gosh, I can just see bureaucracy playing a hand on it.
0: Yeah, no, I had to stop the little grocery store there in Lucerne on the way down to pick a couple last minute things we forgot up and grocery store was packed. Half the people masked, half weren't. wasn't a big deal. I mean, traffic, you know, headed out towards the lake bed was just packed with people, you know, going to Cougar Buttes and Bessemer and everything else. And when we were leaving, the 247 Cafe had, I'm not sure what was going on, like some sort of outdoor deal. The parking lot was packed. Just I was almost great. standing room only in the whole thing. That is just, great. There, there, there had to be 7,500 people there just at the 247 parking lot and. You know, we stopped for fuel in Barstow and it looked like nothing ever happened other than, you know, people
1: had masks on, but it looked like life is normal. So, I jumped around a bunch on you and because I I, I totally wanted to be this a lot more organic than my regimented uh, outline because I do have a lot of history with you. But I also wanted to cover a bunch of stuff that if I put, if I stay regimented, I would probably not say or do or get off on tangents or whatever. But did we cover everything you wanted to cover? I miss any good stories. I know there's some good stories. Like, oh, I, mean, I have a good Wyatt story to share. I'm all for Wyatt stories. Hopefully, I so, look
0: bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, while we we're at Wayne's house getting ready for V to R, and we went up to uh, Barstow, and the, the rear housing cracked that day. Okay. you remember that? Y- yes, uh, yes, and having to reweld the rear housing. So, we got back housing. to Wayne's, and figured out a fix and putting it together. And you're like, Oh, hey, we get this done. We go get some barley pops. And Wayne just straight as could be turned around. There will be no alcohol in my home. I don't want that around my family. And you just like deer in the headlights kind of got flush. And Jeff and I both kind of side, I looked at each other and snickered because, you know, Wayne didn't realize that our big gulp cups were seven and sevens the whole time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he now Wayne, like, I, I
0: didn't know I, uh, uh it was like, got to the back seat of my truck. There's
1: a cooler. <laughs> See, I don't even remember that, but I remember that. I remember you always wore puka shell necklaces and it was like a lucky necklace and you hooked it on something and the puka shells or whatever they call, you know, the beads, the beads are all over the floor and you're trying to recover them all because uh, it had to do with luck. I, I believe it was luck or whatever. And I don't know if we got them all together, but the other thing that I also thought was awesome was uh, you had the dancing hula girl. Yeah. On the dash. Yeah, the,
0: we also had a satellite radio in the car so we could listen
1: to the Ellis show. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Never we had, did turn it on, but it was there. We had some damn good times. And, uh, you know, I, I love what this community and what off and what Ultra 4 has done for me. And I love seeing what it's doing for, you know, younger guys that are coming in. But, you know, I can trace the lineage back of my relationship. So many of them came out of XRA in 2007, 2008. And then... After that, it was everything that kind of branched out. I can almost always root it back to what happened in August of 2009.
0: Just about that. That was a huge turning point for a lot of the industry. Just it it drew so much attention, you know, because Facebook was getting popular. Pirate was still huge. You know, Race Desert was on it. You know, they made the little after video that really covered well just for the Ultra Four guys. And yeah, that was a huge draw that that really did.
1: Pick things up for the sport. Yeah, it was uh, viralness. We didn't talk about the forty-four seventy-one the first time burning. Mike Aiello burnt that thing to the ground. We didn't. And I always that, promised I, Mike I'd never sell him out on it. it. It wasn't like totally his fault. I mean, it was totally his fault.
0: <laughs> it was driver error. We we're we we're out of Sand Mountain here, out in Nevada, and you get in the dark, and some of those bowls. They all start to kind of look the same, and you know, you've been given rides all day. And I drove up this sand hill and hooked the front tires over and realized that this was a poor life choice and backed down. Well, as he's given rides to his friends, he's like, oh, there's tire tracks up this. Well, it was a knife edge about 150 feet down on the other side. So when he got over the top, nose, tail, nose, tail. And
1: you then know, if- and that went into a couple of barrel rolls. Eventually the, the, the motor broke free of the mounts and just sheared kind of everything off. And
0: yeah, it, uh motor mount tubes sheared mid span of the tube, dropped the motor down to where the headers were wedged into the chassis. while it broke the bell housing. So it pulled the converter out, filled the subframe in training fluid, the damage to the car, some bent tubes, you know, it it needed some work. The roof panels about a hundred yards up the hill. And after they kind of got their bearings, hit the start button Oof. and the starter arced in the oil. And that, that was all she wrote for that one. Now what's funny is, so I got Jason's car, the rental to finish racing that season. And I raced it and I had that car for quite a few years and I ended up selling it to doc Jones of all people. Okay. That's actually his trail rig. Now <laughs> that thing's still around. I had cut that car apart kind of strategically to build a front half back in it later as a trail rig when I stretched it and trailing armed and so on. Well, after the crash, the back of it was bent up. So I cut it back apart and sleeved the original rear half back onto the front, put new A-pillars, and reattached the shock towers. Well, Jason of s is now his rear steer trail rig. Living life. We actually traded cars at some point. He got that chassis back from me. He finished putting it back together and actually made himself a rig. And he actually has Doc's car, his original 09 Hammers car, my rental, back in his garage right now, putting rear steer in it for Jeremy.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Come full circle. Yeah. Yep. So have you guys seen uh, a revitalization in, in crawlers? Yes. Yeah. The the trail
0: trail wheeling seems to really be making a big comeback, especially with Sand Hollow getting so big. You know, more people just wanting to recreate, not so much race the trail cars. There's a lot more interest in them, and I'd like to say we we have one already, but uh I have a drawing of one. I just need to actually get somebody to turn it
1: into a reality. Right. So, well, that's what it's felt like to me. You know, a lot of my friends. Well, I don't blame them for getting out of racing. I got. I mean, it's expensive, it, it, and, and time consuming. But man, we do love it. There's a reason why we do it. I mean, absolutely sure love of of the adrenaline and the chase and the heat and uh chasing dust there's no replacement for it i mean you can't even synthetically get, get that you know uh, it's just it just doesn't exist no but you know like you know my buddy chris summers you know summer summers has got his rear steer his rear steer came out of uh the northwest too but um yeah it's, it seems like there's been this real real resurgence of guys who were crawlers in the mid 2000s chased dust for you know five six seven eight ten years and are now returning hell lauren healy has a has a rock crawler now yeah he's got a red
0: dot that's yeah it's pretty cool build to
1: see in person they they did a lot of neat things with finishing that out for him yeah that's it's, a, it's a, i say you know got wrapped uh recently I said, maybe it was today i saw you know picture yesterday something like that but anyway yeah uh and then i i asked you about tj flores earlier and then i got sidetracked what happened yeah. to that car what happened to that 4,400 car that TJ finished out that you guys started? Mike Aiello designed the front end on. He oh the ra- IFS one? Yeah. And he raced it. That's it, Brett it, Gagaber from Four Wheel Parts' car. Is that what is that the yeah. car is that the car that uh that the Bender and him broke their backs in? Yes. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah, that uh that's
0: I think I got his last name right, Gagaber. I'm not sure how but, to say so, so, but yeah, yeah. Brett
1: for Four Wheel Parts.
0: Yep. I, he bought you,
1: that off of TJ when it was done and TJ had raced that with like, it had a trophy truck body on it. Even at one point,
0: it was a pro two pro four body that yeah. he trimmed down and, and hung on it. And he actually raced it in trophy truck at the silver state 300. And he was actually fourth on the road when the rear drive line failed and did an around the world under the car and pretty much took all the plumbing out of it. Oh, it he said he was going about 120
1: when it let go. I don't know if you can see that you you, you, listeners, you just see this light bulb above my head just shattered. I had no idea that your eyes got huge. (laughs) I did not know that was the Genesis of that car. I had no idea. Huh? Yeah, no.
0: And, uh, actually the straight axle, the green and blue one that was in the LVDC colors, like his class one. Yeah. He actually, TJ had a, a pretty good hand in the layout of the leading arm front suspension on that car that made it work so well. You know, between Shane from Bill Stein sending me a bunch of old, like, Curt LaDuke photos and video clips and so on of the old factory Jeeps with leading arm solid axles, and, you know, TJ, you know, making drawings back and forth, sending them back and forth to each other to get the front end of that car figured out. Because, you know, he ran that car for a couple of KOHs
1: for us. Wow. Okay. Well, um, I'm kind of glad, glad I remembered to bring that back up. TJ was a lot of fun to work with. He just liked to go to bed early.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got up at three o'clock in the morning, but if the sun went down, he was gone
1: completely. Man, I, I don't want to end on a TJ Flores story, but uh, did we cover everything you wanted to cover? I'm not covering everything I wanted to. I had a good time. I've I've, yeah. I've been blessed. You know, I I, I look at the show as like a you know a, ability to somewhat give back to Ultra Four and give back to off road and give back to my friends, but man. Everyone that's been on has been, for the most part, has been a, well, they've been a friend after, but I was already a friend before, I knew before, I had some relationship before, but man, we were, you know, we were tight a decade ago, and then after the unicorn kind of got built, we just didn't talk for a bunch of years. I think that there was somewhere in there that people thought, you didn't thought, may I didn't like you or something, I, I don't know what happened in there, but you know how miscommunications happen, but you know, I was very Happy to you know, rekindle and run into you at KOH the last couple of years and and it's always good to see you out there competing. Blessed to have guys like you um, still in my life. But I think a lot of us are still happy to have you in, in off-road and off-road motorsports. Like I said, the walking, talking, off-road encyclopedia. If there's if if there is a part that somebody needs to solve a problem that if they ask you about, you would know the part number even. That's, that's what I think about you when I think about it, or at least had a cross reference and look it up. <laughs> yeah, it, or ex- exactly. Something along those lines, man, to all the successes you've had in, in, in rock sports and, uh, and man, to many more. I know you're not hanging it up, but I'll see you hopefully in February, hopefully on the lake bed. If not, hopefully we're there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, man, if we're good, are we good. We're good. Man, guys, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode with, uh, with, with Dave DSI Schneider, man. It was a good trip down memory lane for me. I enjoyed it. Dave, I hope you did too. I did. Thank you. Yeah. Well, on that note, guys, we're out. Thank you for listening and taking a dive into The Talent Tank.
0: Please like and subscribe on Instagram at The Talent Tank or our website,
1: thetalentank.com.